And the other thing too, is when we talk about challenge, and I'll tell you from my experience, when a leader hears you want to be challenged without definition or specificity, or you being really clear on it, it says to them, you want more work. Is the thought of being imperfect keeping you from taking action? Welcome to Inspired Action for Imperfect Humans. Each week, we give you real-life stories and thought-provoking research that inspires your soul to live a more fulfilled life through your own actions. From the heart of Calgary, Canada, here are your hosts, award-winning coaches, Christopher Lawrence and Kyle Kalou. Well, hello, 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 hello. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everyone and anybody listening. Welcome to another excited week of Inspired Action for Imperfect Humans. Uh, speaking of Imperfect Humans, I have with me Christopher Lawrence that is joining us today. By your guest speaker. Yeah. Can I be I your just, guest speaker? I, I, I just didn't know how to segue you into uh, into introduce. I figured I'd simple get introduction would have worked. You know. I'm just saying a simple introduction would have worked. Oh man. Oh man. Oh what a week. What a week. What a week we've been having. So many great mm-hmm. things, so many, you know, trials and tribulations. There's so much is happening. And I think, you know, what I was thinking about as I was thinking about what we want to do for today's podcast is there's so much going on and you just never know what's happening for people, right? There's so much going on in life. And as you know, I recently got back from Toronto, spending some time with some family. And of course there's family drama, there's family things, right? There's, you know, we started to all kind of got talking about life, about work, about relationships. And what I recognize is it's busy, maybe not productive for people, but we're all busy in our mind. We're busy mentally, we're busy emotionally. And then, you know, a cousin of mine was talking about you know, something about, you know, they were saying that, you know, I admire people who can just go and ask for what they want and just tell people what they need. And of course, you and I've had these conversations privately before, you know, about, you know, why do some do it and some don't, right? And I've often said to you, you know, in my senior leadership roles, a lot of times people are not clear with me about what they want. And if they leave it to me to decide, they don't always like to, you know, um, uh, the outcome. Right. And so I think about it and I'm thinking, how many times have you actually asked for what you need? How many times have you actually, you know, said my own life? Yeah. Just in your own life. Like, yeah. I mean, how many times? I don't know. Exactly 7,352. I don't know. Um, Sometimes I wish you ask better questions. Like, how are you (laughs) even in business? No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's interesting, actually, as you're talking, I'm reminded of this book that I found absolutely life-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was called, um, oh my God. Oh yeah, there we go. It took me a second. Uh, Rejection Proof by Jia Jiang. So J-I-A-J-I-A-N-G. Right. Uh, he has a TED Talk too, but it's worth reading his book. It's very inspirational. He he talks about growing up in, in an Asian culture where rejection is a form of shame Mm. and so when we are rejected by hearing a no we can experience shame and i found it to be so powerful because i think even for myself it's like you know you ask the questions how many times and i would say for me not enough but i'm better Mm. than i was before 
Right. That would be, you know, how many times have I asked for what I really want or need? And and I would say not enough, but I'm better than I was before. Um, okay, I, so what was it like before, though? Since you said that, better than what, what was it? What was getting in your way? Like, what was happening while yeah, you did it so, before? So I think, I think if actually I could say with certainty, there were two things, okay. uh, maybe, maybe three, I don't know. I I'll, I'll talk it out for a second here. I think yeah, the first yeah. thing is that people are often not clear on what they actually want. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I could certainly say that I was in that position, right? It's like, I'm not clear on what I actually want. And I think that that sort of decision-making paralysis is the first problem to yeah. taking risk. Um, and I, th I think so often we're looking for the right answer, but mm -hmm. I, I don't think people understand there is no right answer for your life period conversation over over there is and no right answer it's about making a choice and then determining you know I think it was uh, you that said this to me Kyle but I think you got it from someone in your family who probably got it from someone else but but it's like sometimes we make the right decision and sometimes we make the decision right, right. Yeah. and so I think that's the first piece is that if if we are not clear in my own life you know that was it it was just like it's just like well i don't know if i want this or this and then we don't make any decision and we don't act and do you think sometimes even if they the reason why sometimes they're not clear is there's sometimes i think people just feel i know what i'm what i'm experiencing right now isn't working and so they may not know but they just know what they're currently experiencing is not working which further yes we need to be clear but i think sometimes that's that rub right where we feel i just want something different but sometimes they're not even clear with that to say listen i don't know what the right answer is i don't know what the decision is yeah. i just know what i'm currently experiencing isn't working which requires some explanation I also think that we are in we we sort of live here in in canada and i don't know if there's other places like this, maybe it's not just Canada, um, and it's not everybody in Canada, but but I right. think there's a vast majority of people who are afraid of hearing no, mm -hmm. and um, man, I'm going to tell a story right now. So I've owned three vehicles in my life, and so I'm on my third vehicle now. I like to hang on to them for a long time. Although not super long, because I've had three and I'm in my early 40s. And and uh, and so it's interesting because I went through and I negotiated for, I, I've owned two Toyota Yaris's. So I got one and then I learned a few things about what I really wanted and then I got another one. And it was actually pretty... Um, you know they're they're a pretty baseline car right like it's a compact car it's it's you know a two door with a hatch or a four door with a hatch um and and so it's a pretty basic car right like like you know at the time that i bought them there wasn't even an option to put heated seats in it kind of idea right so so it's like you go through this whole process you you get your monthly payment and and it is what it is right and then you know, and I'm sitting here and it's just like, you know, kind of, kind of like nervous to ask for what you want and cut the deal you want. And, you know, all, all I'm thinking about is the dot bottom line. What's the impact to my monthly budget, right? Like that's, that's that place of scarcity. Right. And then I meet this guy here, Kyle. <laughs> and oh, I already know where this is going. I know. That. And then we go 
I, I'm looking for a new vehicle because mine's kind of just becoming just unreliable enough that, you know, being an entrepreneur, it doesn't make sense to keep it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I say to Kyle, will you help me negotiate my car? This is a guy, okay, Kyle being the co-host on the show, just in case you forgot his name, because I do all the time. He's really not memorable. Uh, uh, <laughs> he, I bring him in to negotiate because this is this guy's like a master negotiator. And one of the things that I learned from Kyle is like, you can't be afraid to walk away from something if you don't want it. Right. So it's like you might spend two, three hours negotiating something, but if it doesn't get where you want, you have to be okay with walking away. And so I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. So we go in and we're negotiating for a different vehicle now, a Nissan Kicks. So not like, you know, still not a top of the line vehicle, but a really cool looking crossover. Right. Like, oh man, two color, like, you know, I wanted some extra features and, and whatever else. And we go in there, Kyle, and you were like, like you're taking this conversation in places I didn't think we were going. You're talking about like last year's model. You're talking about next year's model. You're you're going all around. And I'm like, I don't want that vehicle. You're like, I know it doesn't matter. He said, this is just what we have to do. And so you go in and then you're like, and um, and then they're like, we're getting close to the end of the deal. Right. So so like Kyle's like a master with this. He's just like massaging the whole thing. Right. He's just asking for what I want. Right. He's just asking and he's even asking for more than what I want. He's like, this is a feature that you need, Christopher. And I'm like, I don't need that. And he's like, we're going to ask anyway. Right. So I start to open my mouth and Kyle just kindly puts his hand on my leg under the (laughs) table, which means please shut up. And so I'm like, I'm like, I need to go for a walk. Right. So I stand up, I come back. And and so we're and the sales guy had a, a sad look on his face because he really felt he had an ally in you, right? Because he I know you were easier to deal with, right? So I well that's walked it. away. I was like, perfect. Totally. So so then I come I come back and you know, we're getting close to closing this deal. And they're like, and oh, by the way, free free oil changes for life. And Kyle's like, what's that worth? They're like $2,500. Kyle's like, great, put it on the principle of the vehicle. We don't want free oil changes. <laughs> and I was like, what a brilliant move because you're not paying interest on that amount then, right? And, right. and you know, I'm just not in the position that I can pay for a car in cash, right? So so I was like, wow, this is this is brilliant. Like, like who would have thought of that, right? But it's just interesting because Kyle, when you look at like risk-taking and rejection, it's very different for you. You're always thinking about leverage. You're not afraid to hear the word no. And I learned a lot from that. So, you know, I test the waters a little bit. Like when I'm in a restaurant and they don't have something on the menu I want, I'm like, could you make this instead? (laughs) And it's like, they might say no. And it's like, okay, great. Like, what's the big deal if they say no? I don't need to feel embarrassed because somebody said no. I also don't need to feel their awkwardness because a lot of people are uncomfortable just being asked and it becomes awkward. And it's like, I don't need to feel their awkwardness. It's not mine. I just need to know what I want and ask. I learned a lot from that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, you know, and the in between that story. I appreciate that, girl, because (laughs) one of the things I forgot to say is that what I was paying for this baseline Toyota Yaris is almost the same as what I'm paying for this, like, souped up Nissan Kicks. And I'm like, (laughs) how it was like $20 more a month or something, which really like, like, when you look at the value difference, it was like, what the 
fudge. What you had. Now, we did walk away from a couple places before we went to Nissan. We walked away from two. We walked toward Toyota. We walked away from Ford. Like, we did walk away. Um, And here's the thing. I think sometimes, and I appreciate you saying that story, only because I think, you know, people usually get stuck. They feel, I invested all this time. I might as well. Here is the sales guy. People do it in their relationships, too. Totally. Yeah, they're asking... They're they've invested the time so they feel like they it's like oh so we're just throwing 20 years away and it's like hang on a second you weren't even the same person 20 years ago your needs are different exactly. now exactly and if you cannot renegotiate that relationship then something has to come to an end right if not you're going to earn every single cent of that misery that you may experience right because it, it get you know if you're not renegotiating and we've said that before right is relationship and other things any relationship there has to be some components of renegotiation so when we come back to that whole rejection thing i think a lot of people you know i, I want to hear those other two reasons that you had in mind because the first one you said was that you know people don't know what they want right why they they don't ask for what they need is they they don't know what they want and i think if you truly not feel... just needs if i could just say mm-hmm. we talk about like there's this big differentiation between well is it something you need or something you want and you i want. think that's an mm-hmm. important distinction when we're totally. looking at like you only have 500 dollars in your account and you're thinking about you know, buying a chocolate bar versus a salad. And it's like, I think that that's a really important choice. Um, But I think in our lives, you know, most of us, most of the people listening to this podcast are probably comfortable in a way, like even, Mm. even people in poverty, not, I'm not talking people living in the street, but there's still a level of comfort in poverty now that there wasn't 200 years ago. And I'm not minimizing the horrendous psychological impact that that living in poverty can have what i'm saying is people are comfortable more comfortable now than they were before yeah and i think it's really clear for you for us to and and we've we've spoken about this reflection piece of taking that moment and saying okay what is this for me is it a need is it a want what what how how is this going to fulfill either a value for me or something i want in my life or something i just want to test out the water whatever the case may be get really clear because here's the thing if you're not clear on it, how is the other person going to be clear to give it to you or to consider it or to, you know, put it top of mind for you? So if you already know you're experiencing a situation where you're just in it and you just want something different, then explore the different. What is different about it? What else is there? Right. Is it more money? Is it a new position? Is it, you know, a different thing in a relationship? Well, this comes back to the statistics around people who ask for ask for raises people who ask for raises greater than 70 percent get at least something right they might not, not get what they that. asked for but they they usually get something right so i think it's important about like really understanding what you want and what you need and what's going to add value to your life and asking for it and sometimes it won't come in the form of race but maybe it's additional time off maybe it's education maybe it's a flexible work schedule right like like whatever it is it's like i you know one time i was i went to my leader and and this is such a problem when you go in and you don't know what you want like kyle you and i've both experienced this whereas like somebody comes in and says you know, I, I have too much work. And so you just start taking stuff away or, but it might be the stuff they like, or they say, I want more meaningful work. And what you get is more work. And I think it's really important to be more specific about what you want and asking for it. I walked into my leader once and I said, I'm, I'm not really feeling fulfilled here. He says, you know what, Christopher, we're going to take care of this. And within two weeks, I got a raise. And I honestly 
was so disappointed in my life. I was so disappointed in my life uh, after getting the raise because I got the raise and I'm like, I don't want more money. And it's like, well, what did I want? It's like, well, I wanted an opportunity to be challenged. I wanted an opportunity to grow. I wanted, you know, like, but it's like, grow in what way? Be challenged in what way? Like I needed to spend some time and identify that. I think so often we displace it. Like we put the blame on our leaders and and it's like but you need to identify what you want and it's not your leader's responsibility to figure it out for you right and it's so easy to place it on your leader because then what happens well then it's their fault if it doesn't work out exactly and the other thing too is when we talk about challenge and i'll tell you from my experience when a leader hears you want to be challenged without definition or specificity or you being really clear on it it says to them you want more work And that may not be more work. You may want mean, we know you want meaningful work, right? Something that maybe tests your mastery, something that allows you to be autonomous, something that really allows you to step into it for it to be meaningful, right? So you have to be really kind of clear and you're just starting the conversation. And we get that there's probably some discomfort. I heard an interesting line the other day uh, from Dr. Susan David, and she said something along the line that says, discomfort is the price of admission to a meaningful life, right? And so when we look back at some of the things that we may start as discomfort, having that awkward conversation with our partners, having that awkward conversation with your boss, even worse, having that awkward conversation with your colleagues. Cause sometimes we feel I'm not their boss. I don't want to think that I'm the boss. I don't want to do, but you just want to let them know the things they're doing is actually causing stress to you. Right. Yeah. And so here's the thing I want to share with you an interesting story, Christopher, before we kind of go on with this, because as you know, I was recently in Toronto doing some family stuff and I was having a conversation on a long drive with my mom and you know I come from the Caribbean Jamaica specifically I was born there until I was about six seven before um, we migrated into Canada however my mother you know which is those people who know me know I have a very strong relationship at the time with my grandmother because for the first six seven years my grandmother was the one who raised me right so All the other kids, which is my aunts and uncles, were calling her mama. So I felt I had to call her that, too, because I was a first grandchild. You know, everyone else was quite young, similar to age. And my mother left, right, and left me with them. Now, in the Caribbean, for I think from some other countries as well, it's not just your mom and dad who raise you. It's your family, right? It's a community of people who raise you. So I didn't feel like, where's my mom? Where's my mom, right? I just knew I was getting warmth. I was getting fed. I, I felt psychologically safe, you know, so I had no issues there. So I said to my mom, why did you do it? Like, like what would, you know, for you to take, and you were the first person in the family to take yourself and go to Canada, right? To foreign, you left me behind to come to, like, why did you do that? Like, how does that happen? And she said, I saw how my life was going to be played out. I saw from my cousins, I saw from my aunts and uncles, I saw how, you know, it was that cycle that was going to play out. There wasn't a lot of options. So she said to herself, she had to go get a job. She had to do this job, saved her money, buy herself a plane ticket to get to Canada to explore what was possible. So can you imagine that level of discomfort? She said, I had no idea, right? She was so nervous and so excited and so terrified. You know what happened? She went to the airport four hours, Christopher, early. And guess what happened? She missed the flight. 
she was so nervous and she was so anxious that she was in the airport. They paged her, but she was just so in a zone that she actually missed the flight, right? You're muted there, I think. Um, and so, yeah, so, but she just knew had to do something different. I still can't hear you. I think your other mute is happening. Sorry, I, I don't know. You want me to hear I don't anything. know what is going on here with my technology. It's not my technology. It's me. I, um, yeah. you know, Kyle, it's interesting. I can't share that experience. I think that people who, who leave, um, you know, and I'm not talking going from a first world nation to another first world nation when you have the luxury of living in a nice warm home, moving to a nice warm home. Like right. I'm talking about people who leave impoverished impoverished areas or third world countries or or whatever to move to a first world country and you're like you're literally giving up your life like you're giving up your life to go seek another life and she had to leave you behind i can't share that experience but a similar shared experience was i'm i'm a very anxious flyer in fact i haven't been on a plane in 10 years and girl we're gonna fix that and we're gonna hold some social accountability on this podcast um uh, but there was a time that I went to the airport, I was flying, I was so nervous that, you know, when you, you go through security and you put your stuff in the bin and you grab your stuff, uh, girl, I forgot about one whole bin and I walked away. Oh man. I thought you were going to talk about when you went and you put your slippers in the bin. Because oh, forget that. <laughs> no, I did. I wasn't at security, but there was another yeah. time where I was so scared and so nervous that I went to the airport in my slippers. <laughs> we were at the airport and I'm getting out and I'm like, like I don't remember putting my shoes on me. Mind you, I'm not even looking at my feet. We step out and I'm like, oh, oh no, man. I'm in my slippers. And we had to drive all the way home and rush back. It was, oh, it was just like, oh God, it was like such a horrendous experience, but but um, Kyla, I thought maybe we could finish this episode. We're going to do a second episode on this because I think there's a lot more to talk about here around mm -hmm. fear and risk-taking and playing small mm -hmm. versus playing big. I'd like to finish here on just a couple of points on what playing small might look like so that right. you, our listeners, can maybe flag yourself and say, is there an area that I'm playing small? Mm -hmm. I don't think that these are things that will apply to everybody, but I think they're just really important things that that you could pay attention to. So your imperfect inspired action this week is to check yourself and say, is there an area that I'm just playing a little bit too small? Is there an area I'm playing too small? So, so here's some things that you might look for. You might feel like you're not living up to your potential. That could be in a specific area of your life wow, or many areas of your life. People run into this with entrepreneurship. I will say that if you have the entrepreneurial itch and you want to have your own business, you should at least give it a try. Whether you do it full-time or part-time outside of your full-time job, uh, I think that you need to give it a try. I think you have to answer those questions. You will learn things about yourself that you never knew. And if Absolutely. you and if your business doesn't work out, you will re-enter the workforce with a totally different attitude. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you will because you'll see yeah. business and you'll see the world differently. Mm -hmm. There is no guarantee that you will be successful at any risk taking. Mm -hmm. Second thing is, is that you might feel like you're not realizing the dreams 
your dreams. So maybe, maybe you're playing small in that way. You've got a dream that you're not really taking steps on. Uh, one of those for me was writing a book and I did. I finally got the gumption and I sat down and it was three solid days. And then a week late, two weeks later, it was another three solid days. And I had finished the first draft of that book and my fingers were bleeding. And I don't think that's the best way to do it. And there's a lot that I would change about that first book, but um, which you can check out, by the way, on changemylifecoaching.ca. There's a book called Go Beyond Passion, and it's all about discovering your dream job. Uh, the other thing is that maybe you're not following passion or purpose in your life. That would be, you know, if maybe you don't even have a defined purpose. Ayn Rand has this great quote that basically says, you know, if you're not choosing your philosophy in life, you're you're basically taking a mongrel approach to a philosophy. But there is no doubt that you have to have a philosophy. I think the same thing is true of purpose. There is no doubt that you have to have a purpose in this lifetime. It's okay if your purpose changes, but if you do not have a defined purpose on this planet, then I think you will falter for a very long time, and you are playing too small. Yeah, if you, it's like you're saying, if you don't have a target, you'll hit it every single time. That's exactly right? it. Yep. <laughs> so it's there's nothing, right? There's nothing. Totally. Yeah. Uh, you might not be uh, working to grow and learn. I do think that we do need to grow and learn. I do coach a lot of retirees or those uh, heading into retirement. And, and sometimes I hear, I'm done the learning part. I'm done the learning part. I'm like, it's like, I think you're done the learning part for your career. But I think you're probably just entering the learning part of your retirement life. Like, how? what do you want to learn? What? How do you want to grow in retirement? What, what did you set aside that you really want to get into? One woman, she's like, I want to run a marathon. Awesome. Right? Um, maybe you are not becoming a better version of yourself. Right? So I think that this can get a little bit sticky for perfectionists. So just right, be careful right. there where, yeah. but, but this might be one of the signs that you're playing a bit small when it's like, no, I know that I could be doing better and I'm not. So I'm going to be really compassionate to myself. And at the right. same time, I'm also going to look to, to, to some self-improvement. Um, I think all of us come with some magical superpowers, minus sensitivity. I think Kyle's is leverage. Um, and I think that, uh, so often those things, like, you know, it's a superpower if it's something that you were told to curb when you were a child, if you didn't have a very good upbringing, I think you were, you might've been told by teachers to curb it. Kyle tells a story about being running an office at the front of the uh, classroom and extending his desk onto the teacher's desk. And yeah, so and he I got to into tell that. Yeah, I want to talk he about it in the next podcast. I'll perfect. Talk more about so he that. got into yeah. a little bit of trouble with it, but that's actually his superpower is, is mm -hmm. literally running an operation and being the leader. Mm -hmm. um, mine is sensitivity. And I was told called Mr. Sensitive, but that that is my superpower. Um, sometimes we're just going through the motions. So this is where it's like you're not, you know, you, you need to shake things up a bit. <clears throat> I shook things up in a really big way. Uh, we'll talk about this on the next podcast. I, I uh, wrote a $500 check to the Westboro Baptist Church, which is a horrendous homophobic church. Damn. And if you want to know whether or not why? I sent that check or yeah. why, you got to tune in next week. And of course, if you feel like you're staying in your comfort zone. So we're not saying blow your life up, but certainly getting out of that comfort zone. So if you're noticing any of that stuff, you might be playing just a little bit too small where you're at. And you might take this next week just to identify that and also spend some time defining what you need and want in your life. It's okay to want things. Absolutely. Folks. And we'll end with this, uh, that, that, uh, 
kind of quote that I mentioned already from uh, Dr. Susan David, discomfort is the price of admission to a meaningful life. We'll see you next week. It's our goal to build a global community of inspired action takers. And we can only do that with your help. So if you love inspired action, please leave a review on your favorite podcasting app and share us on your socials. You've heard from us. Now we want to hear from you. Go to inspiredactionpodcast.ca and tell us what is the inspired action you took this week. Next week on Inspired Action for Imperfect Humans. And I included a check for $500 in an addressed envelope to the Westboro Baptist Church.